0: You're listening to a sermon from Pasco Church of Christ. To hear more of our teaching or to find out about the church, please visit our website, pvcc.org.au. It's uh, great to be with you uh, this morning. Now we're in the middle of this series, of course, on resolving everyday uh, conflict. Uh, Last week we did facing up to our own part in any conflict and basically we learned about, you know, take the log out of your own eye first before you start thinking about the speck in your brother or sister's eye. And uh, uh, this week we're going to follow on from that. But before we do that, I'd like to have a bit of a time of confession actually. Would you like to raise your hand if you have not had COVID yet? If you've never had COVID, fantastic. Wow. Wow, we've got a whole group of confessors here, haven't we? I haven't had COVID. Now, they tell me that if you haven't had COVID yet, then that actually means that you are just like a social recluse. It could be the only (laughs) reason why you haven't had it. And uh, I haven't had COVID, so maybe I am a bit more of a social recluse. My wife, on the other hand, she's had COVID, Gail's had COVID. And uh, she's definitely the opposite in that direction. She's a bit of a social butterfly. So maybe that's why she had COVID. I'm not sure. (laughs) Anyway, confession. That's what today's topic is all about, actually. How do I uh, accept responsibility to willingly confess the things that I've done wrong uh, to other people? to say those three very small little words. I am sorry, if you could have that slide, thank you. Not easy, is it? Sometimes it's very hard, so let's pray. Father God, we ask that you would open our hearts and our minds too. We wanna understand you more and your word, because um, we want to become more like Jesus. Uh, So we pray these things in his name. Amen. Amen. Uh, Now, if you're in uh, one of these life groups, one of these uh, Bible study groups that are going through our series on Resolving Everyday Conflict, actually this is the Bible study uh, book here, Uh, then for this week, it's actually quite an interesting topic, um, Uh, on the next slide there, yeah, it's actually going through the seven A's of how to make a good confession. So, you know, if you want to learn a bit more about how to make a good confession, it'd be great to have a look uh, at that Bible study book, uh, those seven A's, uh, which I just summarised there, you know, how do you make a a genuine apology to another person, you know, how how do you sort of humble yourself to be able to be willing to go to the other person and ask for forgiveness? And uh, this study is going to help us uh, to do that, Um, you know, to understand the hurt that we have caused the other person and to be willing to say to everybody who is involved, you know, I'm sorry. Uh, That's what the Bible study is all about. So, you know, it'd be great if you could uh, get the opportunity to grab a hold of that if you're not in uh, one of the Bible study or life groups. But today in the sermon, in the message today, I'm going to be talking actually about... How David was confronted um, about his sin. How he accepted the consequences and then how David willingly confessed to God. Now, you know, God sent the prophet Nathaniel to confront David, as we saw in the Bible reading. And this was after uh, the child uh, that he had with Bathsheba was born. And you can see that in 2 Samuel chapter 11 and verse 27. So it you know, must be at least a year later. Now, that's a long time, isn't it? <laughs> you know, David committed adultery. He killed a man. I mean, he must have known that he, what he did was wrong. Uh, that was pretty obvious to him and, and to others who would have known about it around him. But he never faced up to it. Maybe he enjoyed his sin too much. Maybe we're a bit like that, aren't we? We enjoy our sin too much. You know, we don't want to face up to the truth about sin in our lives. We gloss over it. Pretend it's all okay. We cover it up. Try to hide it from other people. And maybe try to hide it from God as well. And cover up often involves, you know, lying about it and just more sin really. In David's case, he even killed a man to hide his own adultery. Boy, so it was a year or more later, and and imagine nobody had gone up to him and said, "Hey, hey, King, what you did was wrong, mate." Eh? Well, I suppose you know. I mean, he was the king after all. You know, I mean, I'm sure people would be pretty scared to you know you want to go up to him and say that to him you might have your you know you might lose your own life who knows so yeah you can understand that perhaps people are a bit scared to face him weren't they? and we're a bit like that aren't we we're pretty scared to go up to somebody and maybe tell them about a, a sin in their life depends probably on the relationship we might have with them maybe with a husband or wife we do it a bit easier I'm not sure but are we really doing each other a favour By not doing that. Now should we be a community that really loves one another so much that we would be willing to to help one another to face sin in our own life? You know, and even be willing to not only talk to the person about it, but but help them to resolve it, maybe help them to go go to the other person to, to, to confess as well. Support them in doing that. Pray for them. You know, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard, you know, to, to go and tell somebody that, you know, it's, they might get angry with you. They might not agree with you. They might be very upset with you. Actually, Nathan here was very wise in the way that he did it, wasn't he? And, and David was pretty good about it. You know, he accepted what. Nathan said to him, because it was true. <laughs> you know, God doesn't just want to, um, well, he doesn't just confront us sometimes by a person coming up straight and telling us. You know, God convicts us in, uh, through his word. He convicts us. Uh, you know, sometimes he really pricks our heart and lets us know that we have done something wrong and we need to fix it. We know that because often unconfessed sin, you know, it just causes a, a, a really affects our relationship with God. And it does the same thing with people too, really. You know, guilt does that, doesn't it? An unforgiven heart does that. And uh, unresolved sin does that as well. You know... We shouldn't really be a person who says, hey, God, send me a Nathan. You know, Lord, open my heart. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my very thoughts. See if there's anything evil in me. We should be people who, who want God to sift us and, and to let us know about sin in our lives, to be willing to accept that from God. And to be willing to accept that from other people too when they point out real sin in their own life. You know, there's nothing worse really than hidden sin. Now, all of us would think, well, you know, I'd love it if, you know, um, you know, when I sin that, that, that God forgives me and people forgive me and then, you know, that's it, you know. No problems after that, no consequences. We'd love to think that. (laughs) Well, you know, if you haven't put your faith in Jesus Christ, there are really big consequences for that. You know, if you die not having done that, then that means you're going to go to hell. You're going to be separated from God forever. You know that's the biggest thing that any of us should be uh, concerned about. You know, but for those of us who've put our faith and our trust in Jesus, um, yeah, you know, our wrongs have been forgiven by God on the cross, and that's like David here. You know, David was a man after God's own heart. This sin of his was forgiven. David said, I've sinned against the Lord. And Nathan responded and said, The Lord has put away your sin. You won't die. But by what you've done, you scorned the Lord. And that's pretty serious. So your child will die. And, you know, there are other consequences as well. You can see that in the the verses before that in 10 to 12. You know, there are consequences for a Christian when they sin. You know, and these are actually quite important, really. You know, because consequences, they really show to us just, just how evil sin really is. I mean, you know, the sexual abuse of children by, by people in the church, I mean, that needs consequences, doesn't it? You know... Consequences shows us justice. And that sin is just so totally against everything that God stands for. And secondly, you know, it humbles us. It helps us to grow to be more like Christ. It changes our character. Uh, God says in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 6, the Lord disciplines the one that he loves and chastises every son Whom he receives. And thirdly, you know, if you are really grieving, if you're really sorry about what you did wrong, then you would willingly accept God's discipline in your life. You would agree with whatever God decides because you'd really want to learn your lesson. And you'd want to change. So you, you, you don't keep sinning like that. But you know, sometimes the consequences are pretty devastating. Like here, in this case, the, the death of a child. You know, the death of an innocent little child is, is always tragic. It always hurts. It's never, ever good. And there's no way that I can really fully understand, you know, or explain you know why David's child had to die in this situation but maybe just just let me give you a couple of my thoughts about this firstly you know we we should realize we should be bothered by the effects of sin i mean god never meant sin to be something that's comfortable or easy And the same thing with the punishment for sin as well. And you know secondly God was actually punishing David by the death of his child. He wasn't punishing the child. And then you know when when you look at what was David's reaction to all of this? You know? I mean when this painful thing happened to him what, what did he do? And it tells us are there a bit later on, uh, if you go on from verse 14. Um, David actually spends seven days grieving, pleading with God. His grief actually was so much that they thought he was going to die. And after the child died, what uh, do we see that David did? He went to the house of the Lord and he worshipped God. I mean, that's unbelievable, isn't it? After seven days of crying, his child dies and David goes and worships God. And then he says, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, who knows whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live. But now he's dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he'll not return to me. The death death of a child, you know, never feels right. It never does. Yet David accepts the death of his son here because it was from God and because he trusted the eternal salvation of his child to God I shall go to him one day we will be together again now uh, the third point uh, David's willing confession now you know an important reason why we confess to other people and to God is because we want relationships to be restored you know, when things are left unsaid or when we avoid them, it's never good. It never helps. It doesn't help the relationship. You know, the issue, it's still there. I mean, it hasn't gone away. Unresolved conflict often leaves behind it. Unresolved sin as well. There's always something in that relationship that, you know, the two of us, we can't talk about. It's, uh, you know, there's some place where this friendship just can't go. You know, if it doesn't break the relationship, then it certainly causes a very deep cut in the relationship. And, you know, if we don't confess, then we don't allow that cut to mend. You know, I'm sure glad that God didn't leave the I'm sure glad that God didn't leave the relationship between him me and him that way uh, when I sinned. Now God went out of his way to mend that relationship when Jesus went to the cross. Now let's make sure that, that we too are people who, who seek to deal uh, with our relationships in that way, rather than leaving them open to confessing and, and dealing with the issues. And you know I often find this in family relationships, there can often be things that have been left unsaid, and it never helps. So now, in our story here, after he's confronted by Nathan, David immediately confesses to God in, in uh, verse 13, I have sinned against the Lord. Now, that's all it really tells us here in, uh, in 2 Samuel. But um, for David's full expression of his confession to God, you've got to go to Psalm 51. Now, Psalm 51 is it's really a model of confession. Uh, It shows how we should approach God when we need to confess to him and it helps us too, uh, shows us how we need to go to another person when we need to confess to them as well. So let's look a little bit more closely at Psalm 51 here. First of all, it begins with verse 1. Have mercy upon me, O God. Now this is a man who knows he's sinned. And he's taking real responsibility for it, isn't it? You know, he doesn't make any excuses. He doesn't blame somebody else. He doesn't minimise his own guilt. He's saying, I was completely and totally wrong. And then he goes on to say, blot out. Wash me thoroughly. Cleanse me from my sin. You know, he understands how guilty he really is. And he knows he can't fix it himself. He needs God to clean him. To clean both his actions, um, but his heart as well. You know, all that a guilty sinner can really do is just fall before a holy God and humbly ask for mercy. And that's exactly what David does right here. And then he moves on to verse 3. My sin is ever before me. That's interesting, isn't it? He doesn't say my consequences are ever before me. That's often what we think about, isn't it? We think about how it affects me. You know, he's not asking God to take away his consequences. Imagine that. He's accepted that. Which just shows you how sorry, this man really is. Now, it's his sin that concerns him because that's what concerns God. And you know, when you've hurt somebody, that hurt is what concerns them. You know, so really that's the thing that should concern us, isn't it? How we have hurt that person and how we've hurt God. And uh, verse 4, it says, against you, you only have I sinned. Well, actually, I mean, David did sin against Bathsheba, about Uriah, you know, really the whole nation, because he was the king. But he's saying here, against you and you only have I sinned, God. You see, actually, it's God who sets the moral law. We may wrong another person but actually the law that we've broken is God's law. Uh, For example, you know, I mean, you know, if I murdered uh, a person, then obviously I've committed a great crime (laughs) against that person. But actually I've broken Victorian law. And the person who's going to hold me to account for that is the state of Victoria. You know, when we do wrong, we have always sinned against God. You know, I like to confess my sins to God first uh, before I confess to the other person, if there's another person involved. You know, I always like to be right with God first. Then it goes on in verses 5 and 6, David's saying, it's not just a matter of my sinful actions, it's actually a matter of the, you know, stubborn sinful nature that I've got and he wants God to really do a deep work inside of him you know he wants God to give him wisdom to, to be able to change his character you know in the innermost part of his life he's asking God to change his heart change his attitude so that actually he won't, not, to, not just so that he won't sin, but that he won't want to sin. And then uh, it goes on into verses uh, 7 to 12 and David here is just pleads for God's forgiveness. He knows his sin has caused friction. It's caused hurt between him and God. You know, he's got a real deep sense of the emptiness and the loneliness and the relationship he had with God because of his sin. You know, guilt does that. But forgiveness restores. David knows that God will forgive him. And you know, God forgives us totally and completely. Completely. But people may not always do that. You know, it's, it's their decision. It's the other person's decision to forgive. It's, it's their gift to us if we've wronged them. And, you know, it can take time for a person to forgive. God can certainly forgive us very quickly. But for other people, it can take time. It can be a process uh, to forgive someone. You know we can ask for forgiveness but we can't demand it from the person. Yeah, it's not like we're earning somebody's forgiveness. There's nothing we can give in exchange for it. All we can do is confess to them. Tell them that we're sorry and throw ourselves into God's arms. And you know that can be very hard to do with people. <laughs> It's easier to do with God, I find. You know, it takes actually it takes a lot of guts to do that. And a lot of humility, too. In that 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9, it tells us if we confess our sins, God is faithful and God is just. He'll forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so that's what we should do when we sin. Uh, Then it uh, moves on into verse 13. David promises to teach other sinners about God. He's going to sing with joy about God's wonderful forgiveness that he's found in his life. Actually, you know, in a world where we have so much conflict and broken relationships, you know, the story of confession and forgiveness is a really powerful message. It's a powerful witness, as David's story is here. It's an incredible witness. You know, we need to do more of that, don't we? (laughs) You know, sin doesn't please God, but let me tell you, confession and forgiveness really does. That's what God loves. And you know, this world needs to hear more of it as well. And then uh, finally, in the final verses, David finishes with a prayer. He finishes with a prayer for God to bless and to protect his people, uh, knowing that God is so pleased when we're committed and devoted to him. You know, when we go to uh, confess something to another person, I find it's really good to perhaps bring a word of scripture to share with that person. You know, something like a Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 13. Whoever confesses their sins doesn't prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. And you know, today I've come here because I need your mercy. And, you know, it's great to end a time of confession like that uh, with a prayer, you know, just thanking God. And I mean, certainly if the other person is a Christian, you can do that together. But uh, even if they're not a Christian, you, you can ask them, would it be okay if I just prayed at this time? You know, Psalm 51 is a great place to go when we need to confess our sins to God. And it's a great place to go when we need to confess our sins to another person as well. It's a great reminder to us. It reminds us that confession heals relationships. It's a great model of confession for us. But you know, when we refuse to confess, well, well. You know, my dad was never, ever wrong. He never said sorry to me. He wasn't a great example in that way. And I know many in his generation uh, were like that. You know, but that doesn't mean that I've got to do the same thing. And so, you know, I know that God's word tells us that we are to confess to one another. And so Gail and I made it a, a, a point. That we would confess when we did something wrong with our children. So, I want to say to you right now somebody from this church comes up to you this week and uh, they want to tell you a story about a a rich man and a poor man. (laughs) Watch out. (laughs) But the question is. Am I willing to listen to them? You know, maybe I I don't agree with everything that they say. But maybe there is something in what they say that is true, that I do need to act on, that I do need to confess to God or another person about. Maybe not all of it, but maybe there is one thing there. Am I going to be willing to listen humbly when a brother or sister comes to me and wants to share something like that with me. You know, confessing to other people is not easy, is it? I mean, I wish I had as much trouble sinning as I do confessing to others. But I don't. So that means that I've got to confess as much as I sin. So we need to learn to be good at confessing our sins to other people. We need to be good peacemakers in our community. And we need to be an example of a person who is willing to humbly confess to another. You know, have you got unconfessed sin in your own life? Uh, you know, you're not really fooling God. It's not like he doesn't know about it. I mean, you're just really missing out on God's forgiveness, really. That's all. You know, no matter what your sin is, no matter how many times you've done it, you know, no matter how deep or how ugly it might be, God can wash you clean. He really can. You know, I'm just going to give you a moment now to uh, pray personally to the Lord. And, you know, if God prompts you about your need to say sorry to another person, why don't you really make a plan to do that? And then I'll close in prayer. So I'll just give you a moment now to pray to God personally. Father God, uh, there's no sin that I've committed, and I've committed a whole bunch of them that you won't forgive. So open my heart, Lord, and cleanse me from all those hidden sins which are just too gross to mention. I confess all my sins before you now uh, because I know and I believe that Jesus died on the cross and and he's the one who's paid the price for all the wrong things that I've done and you've forgiven me. Thank you, Lord, that you are set me free from the guilt of that, the shame. Thank you that I'm your child and you love and accept me no matter what. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.